to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And our topic today is the idea of being coachable or coachability. It's something that is not necessarily discussed at length in, in sports psychology, especially with respect to performance, but it's definitely a construct that a lot of coaches believe when athletes are more coachable that um, they'll perform better, they're better teammates, they're better people on the team, etc. So Josh and I wanted to talk a little bit about this, this concept and how it can make all of us better players. And I think it's related to a lot of different, uh, more positive constructs in sports psychology, things like growth mindset and mindfulness and, and so forth. Um, and so I think one of the better ways to begin this conversation is to talk about some of the attributes of what it means to be coachable. And uh, I think one of the first big ones, Josh, and, and maybe just kind of touched on it, is this idea of growth mindset and and wanting to be better. Um, and I think that, to me, tends to drive a lot of what's going on with being coachable because it's, um, it opens you up to some of these other behaviors that we as sports psych professionals or coaches would look at and say, yeah, that that person's coachable and they know a big part of that because that person wants to improve. They want to be the best they can be. Um, and therefore, that's like their most important motivation and there's not other things that could be getting in the way. So I thought perhaps we could start with that. Like, Wanting to get better, growth mindset. You know, how do you feel about that as like a perhaps a trigger or driver of this whole coachability uh, construct? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that um, in order to be coachable, you have to believe that number one, that the person that you're working with has something of value to offer. Um, that that the, the coach, you know, knows what they're doing, has your best interests in mind. And, you know, has something that they can help you with, whether it's a certain aspect of the game, whether it's elevating your game in general, whether it's leading the team. Um, so I think that's one aspect of it that, you know, that, that you believe in that coach relationship, at, at least to a certain extent, um, but also that, that you have things that you could improve on. Um, if, if you see your abilities as more fixed and okay, I, I'm not a good server or, you know, I, I can't hit a slice backhand, um, that it, it's going to be a lot tougher, um, within that coaching relationship to break through and to, um, make those improvements and to be coachable. So I think, I think that starting uh, using growth mindset as a starting point is, is really important here because, um, I think that's actually the some of the foundation of being coachable because it, it makes, it makes it possible to be coached. Yeah. And I think the coach athlete relationship is, is an important aspect of this, right? Because that's, you know, the coach is the one who thinks maybe the athlete has to be coachable, but you're right. The athlete has to see the coach as someone he or she can, can learn from, right. Or this person can help develop me. And, and sometimes that's simply not the case. Um, there are some coaches who believe, and not that this hasn't been done, but there are, there are some coaches who believe that they can take a player 
from like nine, 10 years old, all the way to the professional tour. Um, and, and typically that's not really what happens, right? There are certain coaches who are really good in that early phase. And there are other coaches who are good at developing kind of the middle phase. And then there are other coaches who you got to go to when you're ready to go on the pro tour. And, yep. and there are going to be different things there. And, and the player has to also recognize that, uh, yeah, maybe this is a time to change or, or even the coach has to have, have to be humble enough to say, all right, I've taken you as far as I can go. Let's get you to somebody who can now take you to the next step in your, in your career. Um, and maybe players see that, maybe they don't, but you're right. I think Josh, that the, um, the player has to be able to, uh, see the coach as someone they can learn from. And so there has to be a respect there between the two. And, um, and let's say it is a coach you can learn from as a player. We have to be humble enough to be willing to, to listen and, and, and trust the coach at that, at that point. And I think, uh, you know, humility or being humble is, uh, is an important part for the, for the player, uh, in this coach athlete relationship, this, this coachability piece. Definitely. Definitely. Um, not, not thinking that, you know, that you necessarily always know best and, you know, put it, being able, able to put your ego aside, um, makes the learning process more possible. So I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Um, I mean, I think, I think if we, if we start to think about other aspects of coachability and what, um, what attributes make up this concept, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a number of different things. I think being a student of the game, um, makes it, you know, makes it a lot more possible, you know, always, you know, I, I, I think in any sort of a team, um, or maybe, you know, people who are listening can, can think about if, you know, if, if you embody this, maybe even listening to this podcast can make you more of a student of a game, certainly, but, um, you know, being really trying to think about all the different aspects of the sport, thinking of the strategic piece, thinking about the mental piece, thinking about, you know, the physical piece and trying to learn from what others are doing, learning from those around you, learning from coaches, learning about what professionals, you know, how, what are they doing on this strength and conditioning piece? What are they doing to increase their footwork? You know, what can I do to continue raising that bar? Um, and I think the more that you can, you know, maybe also reading books, listening to podcasts, watching, you know, instructional videos, um, but always trying to be learning, always trying to be, um, you know, taking in knowledge and understanding that you don't know everything, um, that, that there's always something more to learn, that there's, you know, you can always be learning and, and always trying to focus on certain areas of your game to elevate them and to really try to, you know, figure out what, so, you know, what some of the best in the world are doing, I think is a, is a good way to do that. Um, but I think that, you know, that, that idea of being a student of the game is, is an important aspect of coachability because then, you know, that, then you're wanting to take in information. You're wanting to learn new things. You're, you're eager to, um, yeah, to, to, to learn and to, to be coached. When you brought that up, student of the game, it made me think of um, Anders Ericsson's work studying uh, chess grandmasters. And, and I think we've mentioned this in a past podcast, but one of the things that 
differentiated those those grandmasters from say the next level down was how much they studied chess right how much they were students of chess and uh, with tennis there's so many resources that one could go to uh, even just simply watching matches you know as we're recording this the Australian Open is going on simply watching matches from the Australian Open can be a means of studying the game you know Definitely. so i think yeah i think that's a that's a great point um you know the humility thing i think is i want to get back to that just a little bit cuz it just popped in my head a quote from my favorite book which i've mentioned many times here the fighter's mind and in one of the chapters i can't remember the name of the boxer um but the quote was to be truly great you must be humble. And actually, it might have been a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Not that that matters. But I, I love that quote because um, it talks about the willingness to listen, the willingness to trust the coach. And as you said, Josh, put aside the ego. Um, the goal between the coach and me is not about um, I know more than you, you know more than me. We have a shared goal. To make the athlete better, to make the player better. And if we can be united in that goal and I can kind of submit to being your student. And I think that's, you know, in a way, I don't know if coaches and athletes look at it that way. Um, like the athlete is actually the player is their student. I think maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I think it would be a really good conception for the, for the player see themselves as a student and to see their coach as a teacher. I mean, coach is another word for teacher. And I think that's something John Wooden used to say. Mm -hmm. I think he'd agree with that, that his really first role was, was teacher. And I think perhaps a player's first role should be student and, and to try to, to, to learn as much. So that goes with that student of the game piece. And can we have more of a, a student mindset and uh, and perhaps uh, a beginner's mindset on many of the things that we work on with our coach so that we come to this new technique or new knowledge with an open mind without preconceived notions of um, I've done that before or I know how this works. If we just bring that open beginner's mind to it, uh, we probably have a better chance of uh, adopting whatever the coach is talking about, and we may even learn it faster because um, we're not resisting it due to some sort of ego orientation. So I really like the idea of, uh, of being a student, bringing a beginner's mindset to this. I think, I think that's huge. Absolutely. I think the having a beginner's mindset, um, you know, it, what it allows for is it, it is allows you to know that you don't know everything. It, it, you know, you're, you're taking everything in as if you're taking it in for the first time. Um, I, I mean, there, there's a great quote that whenever you, you know, experience anything, try to experience it as if it's your first or last time doing that activity. Um, so I, I think that's a, a great way to, to look at it. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's easy for people who have played a certain sport for a long time, especially, you know, if you've, take it seriously you play at a high level you play you know number of times a week to to feel that you really know 
everything. You know what you're doing. You know yourself best. And to be able to put that aside and, you know, be able to listen to somebody and really want to take in what they're saying and, you know, go at it, not as if, oh, I've been playing this sport for this many years. Um, I've beaten these people, but no, I, I have something to learn here. And I, I think that that sort of mindset, you know, makes it, makes it a lot more possible to do that. Um, I think, I, I think, you know, another, another trait of being more coachable is, is being inquisitive. Um, you know, I, I think it should be, you know, ideally a conversation or relationship where both people are, you know, in a certain way learning from each other. I mean, I can say as a coach, I've definitely learned from my, you know, from the athletes that I've worked with, you know, from my students, you could say. Um, but, you know, I think, I think as an athlete, you want to be inquisitive. You want to be asking questions. You want to be trying to, you know, find out what, what's going to, what's it going to take to, um, to help me improve in these different areas. Um, you know, it it shouldn't just be, okay, the coach is giving me these ideas and I'm trying to apply them, but asking why finding out, you know, what are the reasons behind this finding out, you know, going back to, as, as we're talking about, you know, trying to learn about what some of the best in the world are doing. Okay. What does, you know, what are some of these world's best players? What does Ash Barty do on her slice backhand that makes it so effective um, for, you know, a player trying to really develop their, their slice, for instance. Um, but, you know, I think being inquisitive, trying to learn, asking a lot of questions is, is a great way to um, speed up that development process, but also to be, more coachable ultimately um, because it's, it's easier to coach somebody that um, embodies some of these traits um, as you know, it's certainly from my perspective. And um, you know, I, I think everyone, everyone listening can try to apply these things by, you know, really thinking about their own game, but not, you know, not just being satisfied with where you're at, you know, thinking about, Hey, I want to, whether it's a strength right now, whether it's a weakness, I have the ability to, raise my level in all these different areas, but how is that going to happen? That's only going to happen through me being able to, like we're talking, like we've talked about earlier, you know, put the ego aside, have that beginner's mindset um, and, you know, really be willing to be inquisitive and really, really worry, willing to, you know, fully examine these different aspects of my game. The inquisitive thing I think is a really good point, Josh. Um, players that like the younger players that we've been dealing with now and maybe for the last 10 to 15 years in some coaching circles they're referred to as generation y w h y because they ask why and Mm -hmm. i I, you know my reaction to that is i think it's great that coaches have to learn to articulate why we're doing something a a particular drill or, or, or or something else i think sometimes that inquisitiveness can devolve though into like you were saying i know best you know almost like i you know i know better than you right and then we've we when that is where the conversation goes we've we've now lost focus on you know that shared objective that we just agreed on a couple of minutes ago which was the idea here is to help you become the best player you can be and asking why in a sincere way like why why are we doing this? Like how is this going to benefit me? That's a valuable question. But asking why because you're really kind of resisting what's happening is not a an effective means of communicating 
what is really happening. Um, and so I think it's good for coaches to learn how to deal with these why questions or um, just in general to have that communication with the athlete because at least they're they're willing to talk. You know, I think when I was younger, you know, I think it was different in that, not better, different, tended to just do what the coach said. There wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, it just wasn't, say, fashionable to ask questions, certainly not in a group environment, really. You just pretty much did what you were told. Um, And that was just how it was. Um, And again, not better, just different. I actually think it's better now, I think, because it makes coaches better. To under you know to really articulate okay actually why are we doing this drill <laughs> what am I actually getting them to perform um, you know and and learn so so that that piece is good and I think as long as the inquisitiveness again is centered on how can I be better how will this make me better what are some ideas for me to get better. Uh, rather than coming from a, a place of resisting or protecting my own ego. I think that that's really definitely important. Um, and so again, you know, kind of we're back to the communication and that coach-athlete relationship, right, and how, how important that is. Because I think that is another part of being coachable, is that there is effective communication with your coach, not just inquisitiveness, but willing to be open with you know how you're feeling, what you're thinking, um, sharing information, talking about tennis with your coach. When we talked to Todd Martin, he told us that story about how Jose Higueras laments the fact that players today and maybe in the past few years just don't seem to talk about tennis anymore and um so i think that's another aspect of the coach athlete relationship that can be in that communication is that you know we're effectively communicating with our coach they know what we're thinking they know what we're feeling um and vice versa so that we can all be on on the same page because if a if a player isn't being honest with the coach, it can be very difficult for the coach to provide effective teaching and instruction uh, or strategy or tactics, etc. Uh, and so I think being inquisitive and really effectively communicating are, are, are really important aspects of this, this topic. Definitely. Definitely. The other, uh, another um, aspect that I would, that I'll add is um, being able to put the team first. Um, and you know, uh, tennis is traditionally an individual sport. Uh, I mean, you know, certainly at the professional level, it seems that way as if it's just an individual sport, but really each player to, to some extent is a part of a team. They have their coach, they have their physio, they have, you know, increasingly more and more sports psychology professionals as part of the team. Um, other, you know, the, the family, the partner. Um, so even, you know, in an individual aspect, and then certainly, you know, as it relates to high school, to college, to USTA teams, um, 
we are all a part of a team ultimately. So be, I think this ability to put the team first and this perspective, having that perspective and mindset of trying to put the team first um, is, is particularly important because it, you know, it, it, it makes us, it makes us realize that, Hey, there's something bigger going on here. It's not just about me. It's not just about, you know, how good I am, but ultimately I have to be able to put the, the team first. And that's, that's the prime, you know, that's, what's most important here. And I think, you know, especially in situations like a high school team or a college team, and to some extent, you know, a USTA team, um, you know, when, when coaching decisions are made in terms of who's going to be playing and who's not playing in a particular match, or who's playing higher up in the lineup than somebody else. I think having that perspective, it doesn't necessarily make it any easier to be on, on that side of things in terms of being on the bench or not playing as high up in the lineup as somebody wants to, or somebody expects to, to be playing. Um, But I I think it, I think it can help with that process and and help somebody stay motivated and not totally lose faith and lose, um, you know, lose confidence in themselves um, because they understand, Hey, this is what's best for the team in this moment. It's not necessarily always going to be like this, but I need to be willing to be, um, you know, to, to understand certain coaching decisions that are made in order for, for the good of the team right now. And I'm, I'm not going to be a good teammate if I'm making it all about me and my unhappiness and my dissatisfaction with, with this situation right now, it's what I need to do to be, um, you know, a good member of the team and someone that can actually help the team right now is, Hey, how can I help my teammates? Can I help cheer? Can I help them, um, you know, with the statistics piece in terms of maybe providing data or coaching to some of the players. Um, but I think that's an aspect of coachability too, that, you know, when tough decisions are made, being able to, you know, understand them and still do what's best for the team in that moment. I mean, it's a really important point. Um, it makes me think of, um, that the you know, pro-social behavior is really important here. And what I mean by that is, and this is kind of a, a Stoic principle, but the Stoics believe that really your first duty was to be a good citizen of the world. The first duty, not to your family or friends. That actually came after that. The first duty was to be a good citizen of the world, right? You're a cosmopolitan person. And um, we can bring that approach to teams as well. I don't know that necessarily modern societies, in, especially in the West, really uh, use that philosophy of being more pro-social and, and, and promoting being a good citizen of the world. But if we're talking about coachability, uh, yeah, we do have to take a stance of doing what is right for the common good of our team. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, a book I read on uh, soccer coaching in Germany. And there's a coach named Ismael Atalan, who's a um, moved to Germany when he was five, he's a Kurdish refugee. Now he's a fantastic coach. And he talked about the most important players on his team are the ones who don't play. And you mentioned this, Josh, like, you know, high school and college, 
there are probably going to be some people on that team who never play. There are going to be some people on that team who play sometimes. And then there are going to be some people on the team who always play. And, you know, it's the ones who don't play regularly or who never play that he said are the most important people on the team. Because you need them to push the people who do play. If there are no if there's nobody in practice pushing the starters, they can't get as good as they could be. And if those people who don't play aren't pushing themselves, what happens if there's an injury, an illness, or something where now we need them to play? We need them to be ready. And and as you said, they also can bring a ton of energy to the matches with cheering, helping out, doing some assistant coaching, doing stats. There's so many roles that they could play, right? So important roles. So I think that's huge in terms of like when you're on a team, how do you be coachable? You put yourself out there for the team. You be a good team citizen, making that like the most important thing that you can do. Um, And I think that's something also that needs to be woven into team cultures is this is the this is what we expect. This is the norm. And as you noted, Josh, tennis players, it's it's hard. We don't typically, you know, start off in team environments. So it's uh yeah, we might have a performance team, it's a bit different. Um because your role on the performance team is the player. You know, not mom and dad are not going to get subbed in for you or the coach isn't going to play for you, right? You're pretty much going to be playing all the time. But once you hit either high school or college or, as you said, adult league teams, um, yeah, there might be some questions about how to, how to handle that. So um, I think that is an important piece. Um, so it's not only coachability, but it's being a great teammate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... I think it's also important to think about, um, you know, some, some of the d- different aspects of resistance here. Mm. Um, what what can get in the way of somebody wanting to be, you know, somebody being coachable? Um, and I think, you know, I, the, and I know we discussed this a little bit beforehand, but you know, th- there's a lot of a lot a lot of different things that that can get in the way of that. We talked about ego. Um, I think also, you know, thinking that, you know, what's best, thinking that you, you always know what's best maybe for yourself or in general, um, thinking, okay, I know what works for me or what's best, you know, I've always done it this way. Maybe it's not worth trying to change something. Um, either thinking that, you know, what, what's best for yourself or what's best in general. Okay. This is the best way to hit a kick surf, or this is the, this is the best way to volley. Um, so I, th- I think that that's that definitely something that can get in, in the way of people um, because it, it makes you more closed minded. It, it, it almost turns, you know, turns you off from being able to open up and listen to, you know, what a coach is saying or what a professional is saying. Um, and I think, I think much of what we're, we're talking about here is, you know, it's, it's true both on the court in terms of, you know, being coached by, um, you know, your coach or, you know, by a, a teaching instructor, but, but also, 
um, you know, I think this, this applies to a lot of other areas of life. I mean, whether this is, you know, your sports psychology professional that you're talking about and you're, um, you know, trying to, to learn something about ultimately or, or another individual. I mean, people can be, there's, there's plenty of peer coaching as well, right? People, mm-hmm. you know, peers having conversations and, you know, if, if you're closed-minded, if you think that you know everything, it's, it's pretty tough to, to learn and benefit from a conversation like that. So I, th- I would say, I would add in that, you know, it, it's important to be able to apply this to, to other areas of life too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as sports psych professionals, as coaches, it's natural that we're going to encounter athletes who will resist. Um, and I think it's important that we bring it back to the purpose of like why we're trying to impart information. We're not trying to impart information to assert that I know more than you or vice versa, right? This isn't about one person knowing more than the other. This is, again, back to wanting you to be your best. Um, but as a coach, my mission is to try to help all athletes be the best they can be. And that is by introducing, um, you know, good techniques that can help them perform better as well as new ways of thinking, different perspectives, different philosophies that can open up their mind to, to perhaps do things better, be more motivated, etc. Um, you know, my mission as a coach is not to assert that I know more than everybody else, right? And I think the one, you know, one of the f- things you often hear is, you know, the more the, the more the more that you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. And I, and I think that gets back to that open-minded piece, right? Some of the the best coaches that I've encountered have always asked me what I think about things. They don't come to the table telling me stuff, right? I think, uh, you know, a coach who's really, he, he's, he's local to me. He's a former Harvard men's tennis coach, Dave Fish. He's well known for talking to other coaches and really trying to understand how they think and um, what are they teaching. He's always trying to learn from everybody. It doesn't matter if it's a first-year coach or somebody who's been you know, coaching for 100 years. He's just so good at trying to learn more, right? As you said, being a student of the game. Um, and so – if we get back to that and make that the most important thing is like is learning. And, and I think that's a sign of really true intelligence, whether it's, you know, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, whatever, tennis intelligence, um, educational intelligence, just always trying to learn from anybody that you can, any interaction. Um, and so I think when players can understand that too, Right, if you're encountering resistance, hey, let them know that this isn't about me knowing more than you. I want you to be great. I'm just ha- trying to help you see potentially more optimal ways of doing what you do. Because it's possible that you're limiting yourself with your current way of thinking. And that's all we want to try to do deal with is, hey, 
there's a little resistance here, you know, and, and you mentioned when we were talking off air, um, you know, t- the technique of motivational interviewing, trying to help the athlete get to a place where they want to change. So maybe the, the, the structure of the conversation with the athlete changes more to, all right, what are you willing to do? What do you really want? Right. Try to elicit from them a desire to change rather than fighting resistance. Right. I think in in motivational interviewing, man, people can look that that term up. The idea is to roll with the resistance. Don't fight it. Roll with it. Understand it a little bit more. Where does it come from? And then then you can have a really good and honest conversation with that that athlete who might be fighting you a little bit about a technical change or, 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 you know, or sports psychology type of uh, suggestion or technique or perspective. I think that's a great point because it's not just about, you know, uh, this conversation is about being coachable. So we're focusing more on the athlete side of things, certainly, but as it relates to to coaches, coaches certainly have plenty to learn. um, So, so they can also be, you know, the, take the student's role and, be able to see things in a beginner mind when having conversations, you know, learning from other coaches, as you mentioned with Dave fish, I think is, um, is, is ideal as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and in order to do that, it takes, you know, being able to, to put your own ego aside, but also as, as you're saying, you know, be able to, to meet somebody where they're at, know that there will be some resistance and work with that resistance. Don't just try to push past it and say, Hey, I know best here. I'm the coach that, sort of a mindset is generally not what's going to actually break through with somebody, but try to, you know, see where that resistance is coming from and, and really try to meet them where they're at, I think is, is an, a, a more, can be a more effective approach um, at dealing with it, you know, trying to understand, Hey, this, this individual, you know, is responding this way because that's what they've, you know, that that's what they've learned in the past has, has been effective or, you know, that they have their own reasons for, um, for having resistance here, maybe they've had more negative coaching relationships in the past, so they're you know a little bit more hesitant to to listen to somebody, or they're skeptical of, about certain things. So um, you know, understanding that that resistance will come at times, and not letting that resistance you know bring us to that point of anger or that point of withdrawing from that um, coaching relationship. Um, or, you know, certainly in a team environment, not letting that resistance, you know, impact any decisions, but understanding, hey, they're, this is where they're at right now. This is, you know, maybe what's holding them back and let's try to work through that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a great point of coaching your athlete where they're at, at that, that moment, you know, because we have to make sure that we're coaching the athletes that we have, not the ones that we wish we had. When that happens a lot, especially in college college sports are, you know, sort of at the mid-major and lower levels of Division I. Um, that happens. And and sometimes it takes a long time for that player to to maybe come to your point of view. I, I'm thinking of a very specific player who, uh, in, in my work at, at Bryant University with a men's tennis team, this player, when he was a freshman, extremely skeptical of what we were doing, you know, in terms of metal skills training and the perspectives that we were trying to impart to the team. Fast forward to his junior year, he approaches me and says, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get it now. 
and then he was requesting that I would coach him on court. He wanted me there. And, and, and so that maybe took three years to happen or two or whatever it was. But um, it was great to see that, that, that growth. And he wasn't the only one. You know, there was another guy on the team who, who was similar in style, although he maybe did it from freshman to sophomore year. And he became probably one of the best ever captains at Bryant men's tennis has ever seen. Um, but as a freshman, highly skeptical of what we were trying to, 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 to achieve. And, uh, and that's okay. That's where they are, as you said, Josh. You know, so we just coached them where they were uh, and, and did the best that we could. And um, the more that you share your message and um, share your wisdom with these players, it'll start to seep in. And if they're students of the game and they really want to get better, uh, they'll start to realize um, that some of the things that you as a coach are saying, maybe they make sense. Maybe, maybe I should try that. What's the harm in, in, in giving it a go? And so, you know, a couple of really positive examples from, from my work at, at Bryant so that, I, that I've seen that. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's awesome. And I, I think actually what, what this makes me think of a little bit is sort of a different type of relationship. And that's um, between, you know, parents and their children. Um, and I, I think of this with, with my own parents and, you know, things that they've been telling me over the years, um, sometimes repeatedly, that I don't always listen to, that does, doesn't always sink in. And then at a certain point, maybe it's years down the road, I do it. And I can look back and say, hey, you know, that conversation that we had years ago, I didn't do it at the time. I didn't think it was best, but eventually it seeped in and eventually the behavior change took place. So, you know, I think that's that, you know, as we're having this conversation, it's it's important to think about, you know, maybe there are, you know, maybe we there are different places where we can be coachable from, you know, maybe it's parents, maybe it's, you know, teachers or professors or coaches or, um, you know, just, or our peers, but there's, there's always stuff that, that we can be learning. And, you know, I, I think also as coaches understanding that, you know, sometimes it takes patience because as, as we were talking about, whether it's a parent, whether it's a, you know, uh, an athlete, um, you know, it's a, the, it, things don't always seep in right away. Um, so sometimes it takes a little time to, um, to be mature enough maybe to, to receive that message um, and to, you know, to be ready to hear it also is, is a big thing. You know, pe- people aren't, when, when someone's receiving that message, they might not always be at the, at the right place of receiving it, of learning and benefiting from it. So as coaches, you know, understanding that, you know, we need to meet people where they're at and be patient that, you know, sometimes it, it takes time before um, we can really break through. It could be years, it could be, you know, less, but um, I think understanding that makes it easier to um, to be an effective coach and and not to to lose faith when when things are you know happening slower than we'd like. And through that process, for the player being more open and being more coachable along the way, I think the the end result becomes that the player becomes a great coach himself or herself. Which in a sport like tennis is so important because 
in most competition, you have to be your own best coach. And, and you get there by being open to these different teachers in your life, right? You mentioned the parents. That seems like a whole nother conversation, right? Because, uh, I don't know, we all know, or maybe this is generational again. It seems like from a certain age, your parents have no credibility on anything. Um, and then, then you change your mind again, right? You're, you're listening to them. But there are the, sort of those middle years in adolescence. But, um, yeah, the more open that we are to, to being a student and having different teacher-student relationships – you end up becoming a great coach yourself. And um, and how many players become coaches? A ton. You look at say, Especially in tennis, yeah. Yeah. And and look at how many college tennis coaches were great players. Most of them, I would say, Josh, maybe see you you did your dissertation with interviewing coaches. So um I think most of them come to coaching via playing. Mm-hmm. Probably very few come via having some playing background, but more of a coaching education piece. There are some who've taken that route, but I would say if you look at the top of the game and the majority of D1 coaches, both on the men's and the women's side, I would ask, I would think that most of them really came to it from playing. Now, the people that you interviewed for your dissertation about mental toughness in tennis, was that the background generally? Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with almost all of them, again, it was at the division one level, um, head and assistant coaches, but yeah, I, I, th- I think actually all of them. Um, and, and there, there are select cases of people who, as you said, come at it, you know, maybe learn the sport at a later age or come at it more from the coaching education perspective and maybe can, you know, apply some of the things from their own playing, even if it's not at that level. So not to say that there aren't those examples, but yeah, a number, you know, the vast majority of people do come from, you know, a high level playing background. Um, One of the things that I looked at was, you know, are you, did you learn, did, did, did you learn, you know, what, what you know about mental toughness from your playing background or from your coaching or from, you know, some combination? It usually is some combination, right? That, yeah. you know, we, let's say somebody had a playing background, you know, they played in college or professional, professionally, um, and they, they certainly learned from that process. And maybe they worked with, you know, a sports psychology professional, but also during the, the coaching process. I mean, we want to be learning, you know, every day as well from the people that we're working with, from other great teachers and books. Um, and we as coaches, as teachers, we don't want to shut ourselves off to that learning process either. So I think you know, that, that was one of the realizations that I have from the research that um, these great coaches were had learned both from their playing time and from their coaching time that there's, you know, there's a lot to learn from, from both roles. Right. So again, there's like this open-mindedness piece. And, and if we are open to being coachable, being students, you end up developing your own best coach. Therefore, it's pretty easy to transition into coaching. Many of the assistant coaches in, in, in college tennis are recent grads mm-hmm. with, you know, with great playing backgrounds, right? And from there, they can develop and go on to, 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 to be great coaches. So I think, um, you know, it's a, like you said, Josh, a lot of players do tend to, to become coaches in our, in our sport. 
um, especially at the at the high level. You don't see. I guess you're seeing it in other sports as well. Although I would say, in some even at the professional level, there's a lot of say basketball coaches who maybe had more coaching education. Even you look at in the NFL, like a guy like Bill Belichick, not an NFL caliber player, um, but a good coach. Right. Right. Um, you know, and I think in tennis, we're seeing mostly guys with really high level experience as players. Um, there are certain exceptions, of course, but I think that that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, it's an interesting um, concept, this whole idea of being coachable or coachability and and how it relates to becoming the best that you can become. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear what you think. I mean, if if you know anyone who's listening have has thoughts if there are certain things that we said that you think you know really resonated with you we'd love to hear it you disagree with we'd love to hear it as well you know shoot us an email tennis iq podcast at gmail.com that's you know you can reach out to us there we'd, we'd love to hear any any feedback from from all of you yeah because i think both of us you know we're on that learning journey we're we're trying to be the best we can be and we're not perfect and um you know we we put this podcast out with, uh, you know, the sincerest intentions of trying to share knowledge and help people develop, help coaches develop. And, um, you know, it's a real, it's been a real fun thing. I know for both, both of us. Right. So, um, well, that's, that's our show for today. Great conversation, Josh. Thank you. Um, and thanks for listening everybody for more on today's episode. You can check out the show notes. As Josh mentioned, if you have any feedback or questions for us, email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag TennisIQ. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. And you can also check us out on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.